Talk with Bella. We are super thrilled to have you on um, with us today because you're going to be talking about something. I mean, I've heard of FOMO. We were just talking about FOMO. <laughs> and you're going to be talking to us about FOGO. So before <laughs> you get into that, though, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your expertise? Because I'm so excited to have this conversation. I can't wait. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I was thinking, I'm like, we're, today we're going to talk about being Bella from the inside out, right? Yeah. So I, I love that. Um, so my name is Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo. My clients call me Dr. E because Elizabeth Lombardo is a mouthful. Um, and it's really my mission to help us all crush our inner critic so we can create the lives that we want. When I was in psychology school, I remember the first week madly taking notes, listening to what the professor was saying and thinking, why do I have to get a PhD to learn this, right? We all would benefit from understanding more of how this works and how to make it work for us. Our minds work for us instead of against us. And that's really my mission is to help people get out of their own way. Sometimes we don't even know we're in our own way, but get out of our own way so that we can really create the, the health, the success and, and just the life that we want. So yes to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a nutshell, yes to therapy. And yeah. I and I find it um, super important that you said, you know, if we can figure out uh, how we this works. And I, she will tell you, I cannot speak enough about it. And I don't know if you've read it, the book, What, ha what Happened to You with Oprah and Dr. Perry, which has all to do with brain function and how trauma affects us from a very, the earliest early stages of our lives and how we carry that trauma over through adulthood and you know we're trying to figure out why we do the things that we do not realizing that they're connected to stuff that happened to us years ago because our brain is just wired um in that way but the the good news is that it can be rewired it can be retrained we just have to do it consciously i know a little bit about this i used to be a teacher i went just <laughs> <laughs> a little uh, well, and teaching is all about rewiring our brains, isn't it? Right? Because you're rewiring the brain to understand, you know, how to read, how to write, all, all of that. What my fantasy, if we're going to go there, what my fantasy in life is that we teach our kids in school emotional intelligence, and we all would benefit from learning them and why. Not start when we're young so that we have them for. I lost you for two seconds there, but I just got better connection. It's we're back. Um, so you because you it dropped off where you were saying we educate our children for. Oh, I was I was saying, yeah, so it, my fantasy is that in schools, in addition to teaching children how to read and write and add and subtract, that we teach things like emotional intelligence, like stress management, how to deal with all of the stress that we're dealing with and how to be resilient, how to cultivate self-confidence in a healthy way. Because I'll tell you, the adults who I work with, they don't have these skills, so they can't pass them on to their children. And so if we can start young, then we can really change generations. It's, yeah. it's really interesting that you say that because I went to, honestly, one of the most holistic high schools. I'm, I'm originally from the Dominican Republic and 
people ask me all the time because I meditate and I do yoga and I'm into a lot of spiritual work and I read and I do all these things and everybody's like you know what like how did you learn this stuff and I'm like in school and they'll look at me like I have 10 heads mm -hmm. and I find it really interesting how you know obviously different countries different standards different whatever but I was introduced to meditation at the age of 12 and I knew how important that was for me growing up and I have carried it through as an adult that I started to do it with my own children and sometimes when they feel like it now not as much but they'll you know I, I do I also practice yoga they'll come and they'll join me for like a little because my little one will say well it just soothes me mama you know like <laughs> it just makes me feel at peace um sometimes i find it hard to i can't even meditate so that's, that's very admirable no but to to your point is um we should be teaching these things from a very yeah. early age so that we're able because then we wonder why we have so many messed up adults and a lot of the times is and i don't even you know the, i say that jokingly but the reality is that we just don't know any better we don't know how to channel these emotions in the proper way which is what creates you know, chaos, ruptures in relationship and whatnot. So and especially um, now, I mean, what kids are going through with, you know, being out of school, being homeschooled, not having that social interaction, yeah. like I can only imagine. It's, yeah. I'm sure their mental state is definitely strained right now. So, so prior to the pandemic, if I could uh -huh. just say this really prior to the pandemic, t the average level of anxiety for a teenager was equivalent to the average level of a teenager in the 1950s who was institutionalized. That's how stressed out they are. And now we have the pandemic even more so. No, and that's what I was gonna say, because my oldest, yeah, um, I was just having this conversation over lunch with a friend, um, how like in hysteria he was. So this conversation, I will have him listen to later because he had a fear of going out, which is FOGO, which was what you're gonna go into. Um, he was double masking. He was, um, I would literally have to peel him out of his room. And my husband and I would be like, you cannot like it, like dude is starting to smell in here, like a dead body, like what is happening? Like we have to figure this out because he was terrified. My son, he's asthmatic, um, respiratory issues. So thought he was gonna catch everything. Um, talk to us a little bit about this new concept. And well, it's new because of COVID, but I think it exists in other ways for other people, you know, people with high anxiety about uh, social anxiety, meeting up with different people. But now we have this layer of a deadly virus that, you know, literally could be anywhere, anywhere we go. Um, how do we even begin to deal with all of this? Yeah, we have the virus and then we also have the the uh, you don't use it if you you know you, if you don't use it you lose it kind of thing in terms of this so so let's take a step back what is fogo we talked about we know what fomo is right fear of missing out yeah. uh, you get on social media you see all the parties why wasn't i invited but what i am seeing so much more now in my coaching practice and i actually have a company called elevive elevate your mindset thrive in life and specifically for teens and parents oh, of teens that. i also work with adults so it's just a the fact that we're talking about teens is near, near and dear to my heart. Officially a teenager next week, and I am freaking out. 
Yeah. I mean, there, there's just, there's a lot that they go through, but FOGO is something that I'm seeing in teens and adults and FOGO is fear of going out, fear of going out. And again, if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. And so those those social skills, those being used to having conversations with people you sort of know, with friends, with people you don't know, maybe that was normal for a lot of people to be able to do that. We haven't had that practice. And, and the beauty is we're now we didn't actually lose those skills. They're just dusty. We just need to dust them off and practice them. But it's a very real phenomenon. It's a phenomenon that I'm seeing not only with people who previously had social anxiety, that discomfort of interacting with people who they don't know, fearing that they're going to be judged by others. I'm seeing it in people who are gregarious extroverts because they haven't been interacting in person with people. That is you know, it's interesting because again, I, I mean, as a, I, I think the first part of it is being a mom, I'm naturally compassionate about other people, right? Like you just, you grow that kind of bone even more so after you have kids because you're like, oh Lord. Um, I think, however, um, you know, to the point of if you lose it, you like when, when you lose those skills, I can't help but think of um, this conversation we had for our In The Loop last month where people are feeling um, compassion. Uh, oh my God, what was the term that, do uh, you remember when we, when we talked about compassion overload, like compassion? Uh, I know what you're saying, I know yeah. what you're saying, yes. Where we're, we've gotten so used to relating, being compassionate, empathetic, that we're exhausted. Compassion fatigue. Yes. Yes. Compassion fatigue. And I'm sitting here just questioning humanity because that's what I do on my free time. Like, oh my God, like, what are we here? What, what's, what's happening with the world? Um, but I can't help but feel for someone who has been, I, I, over lunch right now, I'm talking to my mother's best friend, my, my best friend's mom. Um, I was, was sitting there and she's literally telling me, she's like, I'm in shock that people are walking around yeah. New York City without a mask. And I said, well, it's different here because um, probably what, 90, 85, 90% of people have been vaccinated and it was restrictions. 75, well, 70, it's higher now. It's yeah. higher now. My point is, you know, New York is probably a great example of what it looks like to, you know, have followed the guidelines or whatever. But what's happening is, because I'm, I'm not going to get into the non-vaccination, what not, that's everybody's personal choice, whatever. However, her, I can't shake her expression, right? It's like, because it's new to her, it's shocking. And it's like, this is how we're living, living on this side of the pond. Now she's going to go, because in my country, Dominican Republic, which is um, where I'm, it's really bad. Like, it's really, really bad. She actually told me she had four shots. So she had the original two, a third booster, and now they gave her a fourth because she's so paranoid about catching the, And then I'm like, um, is that, uh, is that a, it's like when you get too much Botox, like, are you getting too much COVID vaccine? Well, you like, see, depending, I don't know. Um, it, it felt odd. Yeah. And like, depending on where you are, I feel like people's, because we've encountered even people on our team who on one hand are so ready to get back out in the world and, and get back to somewhat normal life. And then others who are terrified to leave their homes and are, you know, have zero desire to get back out in normal settings. But I think it also depends on where you live. And, you know, like in the beginning of this, if you were in Florida, I mean, forget it, you were living your life 
like normal. <laughs> what pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you were here, you were terrified. And I think it just says so much. Like you forget if you're in a place like that, that has the lesser restrictions, you forget that it's even as serious as it is. And then you go somewhere that's really suffering. And, and I was just in Boston huge. this past weekend and, you know, some stores, we were like in an outlet mall, some stores, don't require you know some stores literally are handing it to you as you walk in like no you have to wear it i don't we don't care what your status is just wear the mask so i think we're all dealing with this these different and and it's i think it's making us all kind of kooky <laughs> well it is and you know we we're talking about trauma earlier it's a type yeah. of trauma for people oh, when people think of yeah. trauma i think a lot of times they think car accidents major yeah. abuse but, but 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 what people have experienced, and, and I'm not even talking about people who have lost loved ones. I, I mean, of course, that is overtly tra traumatic. But even just the quarantine for so many people was really traumatic. All of this uncertainty, all of this unpredictability, the expectation that once the vaccine comes, ah, everything's going to be better, and it's not. All yeah. of that adds to the distress, and it adds to really the, the challenges of, of moving forward. Yeah. So what is the, the, you know, what are some things that, cause I'm, I, I I'm not going to ask you what the answer is because there's no <laughs> magic pill to people, um, obviously, you know, take on information and we do, and we act and react to how we should and how we need to for our own, uh, person, but where can someone who has never, I mean, she would, my, my friend's mom was with, a, um, a friend also who this is her first trip in almost two years like she has yeah. not even left the city where she lives in so to her, yeah. she's, not only is she wearing a mask she's wearing a shield i'm like okay um this is you know but this is what she's going so where yeah. do we begin to um because i don't even see luckily there is a lot that we can do because what we want to remember is there's there's two there are always two strategies to dealing with a problem right one is problem focus changing the problem itself getting your vaccine wearing your mask washing your hands those kinds of things but we can't control everything with what's happening with the pandemic. We can do some, but we can't control everything. But what we wanna remember is there's a whole other strategy that is so vital to remember, which is emotion-focused coping. That means changing our emotional reaction to it. I call it get out of the red zone. So for, for me, the psychological red zone is really high levels of stress. If you think of stress going from zero, no stress at all, you just got off the massage table, right? Life is great to 10 out of 10, the most stressed you've ever been. When we're in the red zone, that's a seven out of 10 or higher. That's a really high level of stress. And what happens is when we're in that red zone, we process information differently. So when we're in the green zone, a zero, one, two, three on the stress scale, you're using more of your frontal lobe, right? That beautiful structure that differentiates you from other animals. It allows us to engage in executive functioning right? Problem solving, perspective taking. When we're in the green zone, we can say, yes, this is serious. And I know that I can be safe by following the precautions. Yes, this is scary, but I know I can handle it. As we go up on the stress scale, though, our focus narrows. 
and it becomes, we call it negative filtering. We focus on what's wrong so that when we get into that seven, that eight, that nine, that 10 on the stress scale, all we can see is what's wrong. We focus on what's wrong. It causes us to feel more worried, more anxious, more fearful, which causes us to focus more on what's wrong. And it becomes this downward spiral. So one of the things that's really helpful is this emotion focused coping is to get out of the red zone. Is that going to change your life entirely? No, but it's gonna do two things. One, it's gonna help you feel better. And when I say feel better, I mean, obviously with less stress, emotionally we feel better. But what we have to remember is high levels of stress when we're in that red zone for a long time, our immune system doesn't function as well. So all of this worry and fear that people are having is actually increasing the likelihood that they're gonna get sick, right? So by doing that, they, we feel better by getting out of the red zone, but also when we get out of the red zone, we can start to solve problems. Oh, okay, so work is telling me I have to go back to the office. In the red zone, I feel like there's no way. When I get into the green zone, I can say, okay, what things can I implement so that I can feel safe, so that I can return to work in a way that's gonna work for me and my company. I feel like I live in the red zone. What do I do about that? <laughs> and, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at her like, what? I'm like, I just, I take on stress and I, I kind of let it, well, I let it take me over essentially. And you know this, she's yeah. the calm, cool, collected one. I'm the one who gets stressed and freaks out. And then I harp on it and it just builds and I hate it. I know I need to fix it. <laughs> But I feel like I'm always in that red zone. I've seen in yeah. the past two years, I've seen you in that zone. I think like when when I'm like, oh no, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> you know, like, oh no, you did like, uh, but yeah, you, you but, skyrocket right in there. Yeah, but also um, I feel because like my you remind me of my husband actually in the way that you react, and it it is interesting because I'm so used to it that I don't engage. Like, I just don't, I'm like, I'll talk and to I you tomorrow. Stress. I'll talk to you tomorrow or because there's no good outcome if I do. Yes. So, well, <laughs> that's like telling someone to just calm down when they're in the correct. red zone. And I've never in the history that, of all yeah. mankind has that ever been helpful advice. That, yeah. never, <laughs> that, that never works. Yeah. Um, no, no. My, my thing is, I need to talk things out. Like my whole thing is when you're ready to have a conversation, let's talk. Cause I have to talk it out. Cause I can't move past a situation unless it's spoke. Like I have to talk it out. Yeah. Um, my husband and I actually have code words because when we can't talk it out, we'll <laughs> say the word. And it's like, girl, I'll talk to you later. It's yeah. like code J like Jade, Jade is it's the, and that's a technique that has so come out. Well, I mean that, that in couples therapy. Um, that's why I like therapy. Yes. Bring it on. Um, but it's how we've learned to communicate. Cause that's another thing, you know, in, to your point, you're, I don't think you're in the red zone all the time. I do think that it does affect you because it's yeah. not affecting anybody else. It's like affecting you. And my thing is like, do you want to live like that? Like, is that, is that how you want to like encounter the day? I'm like, okay. I even told my kids, like, is this how you want to start the morning? Like, is this, <laughs> it, this is where we're going. Cause if we're going, I'll meet you there in like three hours, but I'm not doing this right now. Like I, cause I can't, um, I'm just not reactive. So yeah. how, how, um, meditation would help. You. How do I, 
to be in the red zone a lot of times, right? And it's interesting what you said, that maybe you don't see it all the time. Sometimes we see people in the red zone, right? I always tell my clients, if you're in the red zone, don't let anything out of your mouth, because that's when we say things you later regret. And don't put anything in your mouth, because that's when we tend to consume things we later regret. So sometimes it's really obvious when people are in the red zone. And, and I think whether it's a colleague or your partner or your children, it, my goal is that people start to have a conversation. I'm feeling in the red zone right now. I'm going to go take a walk or, wow, I noticed that you're in the red zone. L let me just give you some space so that instead of, instead of making it worse, right. Having the conversation, saying mean things, getting into an argument, we can just acknowledge this is red zone thinking. Saying the mean this things help sometimes though. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Because here's the thing, when we get into the red zone, that's seven, that eight, the nine, we actually have physiological changes. Instead of that frontal lobe, that rational thinking, our limbic system takes over, right? And, and that's the fight or flight. That's the survival mechanism. It's almost like if you know anyone who's ever had a little too much to drink and they say something that they think is so smart to say, and the next day they're like, oh yeah, not so smart. Yeah. That's what happens. Our limbic system almost makes us a little drunk in yeah. terms of, of, of seeing things in a distorted or inaccurate way. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, like my, I'm not a trained psychologist. I think you need to read that book. Um, and maybe even see Dr. E <laughs> a couple of times. Um, no, my point is like, I feel like to your point of retrain, cause you're, you're, you can rewire it. You can, um, it takes conscious effort though. You have to do the work. Like you have to want to, and be, and make yourself aware. I know that for me, meditation, yoga, pulling away from the day-to-day -day occasionally helps me recenter myself I, because I couldn't function otherwise. I would always be, because you, you don't want to, and the thing is when I do react, you don't want to see me because it literally like the little monster does come out <laughs> and has a part. Because we all, because we all get in the red zone sometimes. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. being human. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really it's, it's what factors are going to work for you. And, and I love that you keep talking about this rewiring your brain because I, I used to be a worry wart. like give me a topic and I'll worry about it. Even if I have no control over it, it's going to rain tomorrow. Oh no. And I remember distinctly being in psychology school and I had a, one of my, um, one of the other students also was a worry wart. And I remember talking to her and saying, you don't have to be like this. There are things that you can do to change how you're thinking. And as the words are coming out of in my mouth, I'm realizing I'm saying this to myself, right? This is actually advice for me. And I have rewired my brain completely. I have two children. One has a driver's license. The other is getting a driver's license. I still cannot work, you know, can, can yeah. focus on not worrying. So we really can rewire our brains. I mean, think about it. Um, I don't know if I said ABC to you, yeah. you might start singing the alphabet song. Yeah. Right. And why is that? You didn't come out of your mama's womb singing the alphabet song, right? But you heard it so much that it went from, from, from focusing on it to seeping into your unconscious mind and it becomes automatic. What we want to do is help people rewire their brains so that just like that ABC song, that the practices, that the habits that they have become just part of their daily routine and you start to see things differently because you've literally rewired your brain. I have a friend um, to your point of the worrying that would we would be going places traveling 
and she was already giving me a breakdown of the weather when we got and i'm like why why do we want to know this why do i want to know and i'm like i get that it affects what we do but like is it going to change the outcome of us actually like i'm still going i don't know i'm like you want to stay because you could stay um that's and- my red zone not sh- not necessarily the stress level but the worry like mm-hmm. it's a combination of the two i think yeah yeah, well, that's a part of, of stress is worry, right? I mean, psychology, see, the thing is some stress is good stress. We call it eustress, EU stress. And that's that excitement. That's that, you know, I'm going, I'm planning a vacation. I'm, I'm getting married. I'm, I don't know, for some people getting divorced, right? It's, it's that excitement. <laughs> but then distress is any emotion you don't want. So it could be worry or fear or anxiety or sadness or helplessness or hopelessness or guilt or shame. All of that goes in the distress pile. So worry is definitely part of that. That's, um, I, I just feel like, you know, this is, again, a conversation, this is a conversation I want to have every week, because I, <laughs> I firmly believe um, in the value of um, brain health, and just really understanding how all of this does affect, I actually watched an incredible documentary this past weekend called Heal, um, and it oh, yeah. stemmed from, you, oh, should, cool. you need to watch it, uh, because it all stems from stress and how stress is really the cause of all of these plethora of illnesses that we are managing and like you know we don't know the origins of something like fibromyalgia uh, but we also but we i think we all know five people who suffer from it but nobody knows the root cause and nine times out of ten it's rooted it's connected to stress to like to your level of stress and um i think that if people were more aware of the power that they they have themselves to yeah. just live happier, right? And 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 not in those red zones and not in that worry. I mean, because it's not like I stress out. Yeah. You just you deal with it better. I, I just handle it. Handle as well. it. Yeah. I go to I take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> that can be helpful. Well, here's a statistic: seventy five percent of complaints to a primary care physician are medically unexplained. That means three out of four times someone says, doc, this hurts, this bothers me, this is what's going on with my body. The medical doctor does not, un- does not know why. That's in the United States and in Great Britain. Wow. So despite how advanced our medical system is, what we're missing out on is exactly what you're talking about. There's a whole field of, of um, research called PNI, psychoneuroimmunology, looking at how stress impacts our nervous system and our immune system. And the research is overwhelming. I, mean, yeah, it is. I, I, used, I used to be a physical therapist. And when I first got my PhD and I still work with clients, I worked a lot with people with chronic pain and medically unexplained symptoms. And inevitably this is how they would come see me. Big <laughs> scowl on their face because they thought they were coming to see me because they were, I was saying they were making it up in their minds. And what I always said was, I know the symptoms that you have are real. I know you're not making this up. I also know that chronic pain, unexplained symptoms can be very stressful. And stress increases the symptoms, the symptoms increase the stress, and it becomes a downward spiral. If we can address the distress, we can address the symptoms too. Yeah, that's, wow. that's so brilliant. And, um, and on that note, I will wrap it up because I could talk to you until next week. <laughs> I mean, we could do this like a weekly thing if you want, but I feel um, that it's so needed uh, what you're doing, uh, especially under the amount of stress, like again, that we're all in and we're living in, in this new quasi-normal 
Yes. Whatever this is called. Whatever this um, is. <laughs> whatever this is. Because last week I thought we were going, we were fine. And it's, it turns <laughs> out we're not. So um, how can people connect with you? How can people uh, reconnect with you if they want to see you, learn more about what you, your offerings? How can people connect with yeah, you. Yeah. So they can go to elizabethlombardo.com. That's my website. And if you are an Instagram fan, um, Dr. E Lombardo is our Instagram handle. Every day we're putting out information on how we can get out of the red zone and stay out of the red zone. So please, please join me there. Uh, I, I definitely will. And, <laughs> and I will definitely check out your program for, for teens because my son turns 13 next Saturday and I am having I think I'm, I'm like, I'm dancing in the red zone. Slowly, I'm tangoing my way. Yeah. And I'm slow dancing in it, but I'm there. Um, because already the concerns have begun. And it's like, dude, we're not yeah. there yet, but it is. So thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you sharing an incredible amount of information with us. And we look forward to seeing you more. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.